Let's continue in our study of Matthew by turning to Matthew 25. We are all the way to Matthew 25. It's taken us a couple years to get here, but um, we're, we're glad to hear the, um, the teaching of our Lord Jesus, to follow his life through the, um, through the gospel. And we're looking at the parable of the talents. A parable of talents. Jesus used parables to emphasize important truths to those who had ears to hear. So he's, he's using these, um, these uh, natural stories with a scriptural, spiritual emphasis to drive home certain points to his followers. So we want to pay, uh, pay very careful attention to the, the parables that he offers, 37 parables in the, in the Gospels. That's a lot. 19, about 19 of these parables in the book of Matthew alone. 19. 11 of the 19 about the kingdom of heaven. What does that tell you about the importance of understanding the kingdom of heaven? Five of the 11 parables about the kingdom of heaven we could classify as separation parables. Separation parable. Why? Why a separation parable? Well, they, the parable ends in the ingathering and the reward of the faithful and the punishment of the wicked. The Lord is, is using the parable to, to show the separation between the, uh, the real uh, followers of his, uh, the real members of his kingdom and those who are just followers in name only. Remember that when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about all who profess to know the king. That's a lot of people. Within that wide circle is a narrower circle of people who truly know the king. So every, all these people are professing to know, but there are those who really know the king. And that's who the Lord Jesus is, is defining. He's separating. He wants us to know uh, who are his followers. And if you're not a follower, to become his follower, a member of his kingdom. Jesus distinguishes in his separation parables between the wheat and the tares. Remember, the, um, the wheat was uh, gathered into his barn and the tares were burned. They, um, they, uh, the tares represented those who didn't know the Lord even though they professed to know the Lord. And he, he said those are, um, are burned. The dragnet the parable of the dragnet. He was, um, the fishermen were, were dragging the net through the sea and they pulled the net on shore and the, um, the angels were separating the good fish from the bad. They were uh, setting aside the good into vessels and uh, the bad fish were, uh, actually the parable ends um, that they were cast into a furnace of fire. Okay, a dreadful end. The marriage feast. Remember, um, 
the man who came into the wedding feast and he had no garment. His, his, uh, his garment was just what he'd worn on the street. And, um, and so uh, the, um, uh, the host of the marriage feast told the servants to bind him hand and foot and uh, cast him into outer darkness. So the, most of the guests got to enjoy the feast, but he separates. He says, here was one who, uh, who was, uh, was not uh, prepared. He was not a, king, a, a member of the kingdom in truth. And then last week, we, uh, we heard about the, the virgins, the bridesmaids, five of them had oil in their lamps and they were ready when the bridegroom came and five of them were unprepared. They had no oil in their lamp so when the bridegroom came off they went to buy oil. They came back and uh, knocked on the door. What happened? Um, the bridegroom said, uh, I don't know you. Separation, separation. The Lord's going to speak to us again through um, about separation this morning. And who better to distinguish between the true and the false than the king of heaven himself? He's going to tell us truth about his kingdom. And so we want to pay very careful attention to, uh, to his instruction this morning. Again, if we could just summarize the Lord's teaching these past weeks in the, um, uh, the illustration of the wise and the evil servant, the Lord's word was watch. Watch for the, um, the return of the master. Last week, with the parable of the, uh, the virgins, the five wise and the five foolish, the Lord's word is wait. Wait expectantly for the coming of the bridegroom. This week, we are looking at the parable of the talents, and the Lord's going to tell us to work diligently for the master. So let's read. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had, had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
Then he who had, who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Powerful, powerful truth. I want to um, use a couple of props this morning, and I want you to think about uh, the workplace, and um, you're, you're all employees in this workplace, and the, uh, the company owner calls a meeting, and he, he says, I want you all to be here. It's, I have a, an important announcement to make. I'm headed overseas to, uh, to receive a company, to acquire a company. What I'd like to do is to commit my personal assets to you as, uh, as managers of what I own. So I'm, I'm uh, committing them to your care, to your management. I'm making assignments and passing out checks based on your record, on your uh, record of performance with, with the company. So um, I, I'm doing this based on your ability, so don't be disappointed if the, if the amount of the checks differs. But uh, I've got, uh, um, let's see, Ed, you're here, uh, Dorothy, Krista, yeah, I, uh, Joanna, I think we've got uh, checks for everybody here. So um, will you take the challenge? Will you take the challenge? Okay, we have one. <laughs> In the parable, the master uh, delivers his possessions, his possessions to his servants in the form of talents. What is a talent? Well, um, a talent was originally a weight. And uh, the experts differ, the uh, scholars differ on what the weight was, but um, best I could find was it was um, 75 pounds. And um, in Exodus 38, we see the talent being used as a measure of bronze and silver and gold. And uh, there are other places in the, in the Old Testament where, the, um, where this measure is used. And just for illustration, we happen to have... Oh, a weight 
a little bit uh, off center here, so. How much do you think that weighs? No, it's not rocks. Huh? No. Uh, this, is, uh, this is 37 pounds. I weighed it on the scale. And so um, when you, we speak of an Old Testament talent, we're speaking of something twice this size. So the, the master is um, giving uh, his riches in the form of talents. If we, um, if we really uh, wanted to uh, show the value of something, we might look at gold. All right. How much, how much, how, what's the value of a talent of gold? We do the math and uh, we figure out that uh, 75 pounds of gold is worth probably um, $2 million plus. Uh, really protected this on the way into the chapel this morning. <laughs> but uh, in the New Testament, the chapel, the, um, the talent kind of uh, became a unit of monetary measure, and it was more. So uh, talent became... Um, a unit of money that if we translate it into today's currency, it would be between three and six million dollars. Okay? So, um, so this master is, is giving talents to his servants. Um, and uh, in any case, whatever our estimation is, it's a lot. All right? So he, he gives uh, one talent one. Uh, twice this size, he gives uh, another ta- um, servant two and another servant five. Each according to his own ability. Well, it doesn't take a lot of um, thinking to understand that the Lord is portraying the master as himself. The master in this parable is the Lord Jesus. Who then are the servants? The servants are simply those who claim allegiance to the king. And the talents represent all those resources that the master, that the Lord gives his, uh, his creatures, his servants, and he has given us a lot. It's a comfort that the Lord gives according to our strengths and weaknesses. He assigns responsibilities based on our capacity to, uh, to perform, to serve. He gives us no more than we can use, and he doesn't require any more than we can provide. That's a comfort. Uh, Paul told the Romans in uh, Romans 12, (coughs) he said, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. God gives uh, gifts um, by his grace and... um, they differ according to, uh, to that grace, according to our skills. So, um, in verse 15, to one he gave five, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Verse 16, then he who had received 
the five talents, went and traded with them and made another five talents. What uh, percent return did the, the, the um, first servant give? 100%. Yeah. Okay. The, um, the servant who, earned, who received two talents earned two more. The return? <laughs> 100%. I'm borrowing uh, much from the commentary of Alfred Edersheim. Uh, Noad quoted last week. I um, really, really enjoyed his, um, his thoughts on this parable and recommend that to you. But uh, Edersheim notes that the outward results of the servants differed. Okay, five talents versus two talents. But the labor and devotion and faithfulness of the two servants were equal. They, their industry, their energy uh, earned them a 100% return on the investment. The servant who received one talent dug and hid his Lord's money. He acted like the property belonged to a stranger and not to his master. And in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants returned. And uh, Paul told the Romans elsewhere, he said, each of us shall give account of himself to God. I wondered, um, what did the master say to his servants when he returned? Got to be something in scripture that, that uh, captures the question. And uh, sure enough, in Luke 16, we have uh, a parable of the rich man uh, calling and saying to his unjust steward, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship. And I, I wonder if that's what the, the master asked his servants. Give an account of your stewardship. He was eager to hear. He'd been gone a long time. He had expectations of getting a return on his investment. Let's hear it. So um, in verse 20, we have the one who had received five talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more. It's hard, to, uh, hard not to hear the joy and uh, um, just the, uh, the love in the, in the servant's voice as he, um, uh, as he was able to report the increase. The master's approval was all that he looked for and that for which he toiled during the long absence. To do the work to increase the wealth of his master was evidently, evidently the servant's joy and privilege. The master's face shined as well with approval at the, uh, at the servant's devoted service. Well done, good and faithful servant. This, uh, this commendation was not one from an abusive tyrant, but by one who valued integrity and loyalty and a job well done. Faithful servant. Well, faithful can mean two things. It can mean uh, trustworthy. A faithful servant is one who uh, who I can bank on, I can count on, I give him an assignment, and he's, he's going to do it. 
And it also means that uh, the servant had full confidence in his master. Faithful servant, you had confidence that I was doing right, and you have, you have performed accordingly. Well done. The master rewarded his servant with more responsibility and privilege. He said, I will make you ruler over many things. And he said, enter into the joy of your Lord. This is more than just a, um, a, a rewards banquet. This is more than just a closer rapport with the boss. You know, you, you wave to him or you shake his hand in the morning and, and uh, you sense that, uh, that approval. It was more than this. Instead, it was, um, it was an entering in to the master's heart. It was um, knowing what brought the master joy. It was a, uh, uh, an intimacy, a closeness with, with the master. I think of Moses in this regard back in Numbers 12. There was a, there was a squabble about... Um, uh, leadership in the nation of Israel, and Aaron and Miriam uh, were critical of Moses. And I want you to hear the words of the Lord as he describes his servant, his faithful servant, Moses. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so, my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. Moses had proven himself faithful to the Lord, and the Lord could, could bear his heart. He could expose his, uh, his uh, aims, his goals to Moses in a special way. Moses had entered into the joy of his Lord, and the Lord spoke with him face to face, even as a man speaks to his friend. The man who, the servant who had received two, two talents said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more. Uh, also uh, excited about what he had brought to the master. Edersheim writes, although he could speak of only two talents gained, this servant met his master with the same frank joyfulness as he who had made five. For he had been as faithful and labored as earnestly as he to whom more had been entrusted. And what is more important, the former difference between the two servants, dependent on greater or lesser capacity for work, now ceased. And the second servant received precisely the same welcome and exactly the same reward and in the same terms as the first. They're on equal footing, the, the two servants, both faithful, both entering into the joy of the Lord. Ah, but there's another servant, the one who had received one. Verse 24, <clears throat> I knew you to be a hard man, unreasonable, exacting, 
disagreeable, harsh, inhuman, reaping where you have not sown means taking what is not legitimately yours. Others had sown and uh, you reaped it. Unfair. You were stealing, defrauding, cheating others out of their labor. Did this servant know his master? (laughs) Apparently not. Not only uh, did he not know his master, but he thought he could lay blame on his master. It's your fault, master, Uh, that I I had to hide this talent. I was afraid of you because you're so unreasonable. Well, reminds us of the nation of Israel who didn't know their Lord, as uh, Moses recorded in Deuteronomy 1. He said, you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Sound familiar? That was kind of the theme song of... uh, Israel as they plotted through the desert. And that's the, uh, that's the song of this servant as well. Look, there you have what's yours. I'm done. You got it. It's, it's yours. Take it. The servant's first error was he didn't know his Lord. The second error was that um, he thought that he could uh, just return the investment and think he was done, think he was even with the master. The master didn't give the servant the talent for safekeeping. He gave the talent for increase. The master wanted to see a return on his investment. The master condemned his servant in verse 26. You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have cast my money to the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. The the servant's problem was willful negligence. He was wicked. He was lazy. uh, This servant's attitude seems to be, I may be called servant, but I'm not going to serve. The master continued, he said, even if I were the difficult person you accuse me of being, you should still have given the money to the bankers for interest. How much work would that have been? Just wheel this down to the bank, deposit it in the bank, give me interest, I'll bring it back to my master when he returns. How, how difficult is that? The master had shown his kindness already and his generosity, so the condemnation of this wicked servant strikes hard when it comes from gracious lips. To this, um, the Lord provides a principle of spiritual service in verse 29. For to, everyone, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, 
even what he has will be taken away. Bill McDonald um, writes in his commentary, he says, those who desire to be used for God's glory are given the means. The more they do, the more they are enabled to do for him. Conversely, we lose what we don't use. Atrophy uh, is the reward of the lazy. So we don't use... uh, we don't use an arm or a leg, we find the muscle atrophying. It, um, it starts to, uh, to weaken and disappear. But um, the principle is that the more a person, the more a servant does for his master, the greater capacity the master gives for more. And then he... Um, He gives the end of the servant, the unprofitable servant. He says, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a lot of application here. And um, each of us is, as shown in this parable, a servant of God. Whether we know him or not. Psalm 24 Verse 1 reads, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. All people belong to the Lord. They are his servants, in, uh, especially as pointed out in this parable. Each of us is accountable for those blessings that God lavishes on us. He's blessed us richly. As our creator, he owns us. Each of us is a uh, trustworthy, productive servant or a defiant um, rebel. A second truth we can pull from this is um, the Lord placed the example of negligence on the servant to whom least was committed. And perhaps this was to show that even the small uh, blessings that he gives, he will, he will uh, require an account for. Um, uh, give me an account of your stewardship. But that doesn't mean that we are, um, because we see, receive much, that we're successful. There are many highly privileged people who are as negligent with their five talents as the wicked servant was with his one talent. We we know of people who have uh, tremendous privilege. The Pharisees, they they were front row witnesses of the authenticating um, miracles, the wonders that Jesus did. They were right there. They saw him. They saw him do it. They heard his teaching. The Lord was, uh, was giving five talents to these Pharisees. And what was the return? None. Third thing, what do or what should the talents represent in our lives? The talents should represent everything that the Lord gives us. Um, Edersheim, again, says it refers generally to all that a person has to serve Christ, For all that the Christian has, his time, money, opportunities, talents, or learning, 
and not just the Bible, is Christ. And he is, has entrusted to us, not for custody, but for trade, for the absent master to further the progress of his kingdom. So um, a very real application of this is, yeah, um, I owe the Lord a return on life, on health, on uh, the, uh, um, the things that I have, my house, my family. I owe him a return on that for increase. Another commentator focuses on personal finances. He says the talents represent money and uh, that um, the Lord allows us to, to have money, passes through our hands, and we're free to, uh, to use that resource as we best see it. And the Lord says, uh, give me an account for what I gave you in your lifetime. Yet another commentator suggests that the talents represent the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we can make good application of that. But I'd like to suggest that the talents represent spiritual truth. That the, um, the things that the Lord is giving here and requiring uh, uh, an increase of is spiritual truth. Whatever I decide is the Lord's meaning of these talents, that meaning must answer two questions. First question is, why is it so imperative and urgent to increase the, the Lord's giving? And the second question is, why is negligence punishable by casting into the outer darkness, a picture of hell? And I think that this uh, equating the talents with spiritual truth answers those questions, and, uh, and we'll see why. We must increase our master's wealth by receiving his word, by allowing his spirit to convince us of our sin through his word, by acknowledging Christ as our only Savior, our only qualified Savior through his word, and then being born again through his word. That's, that's the increase that we can offer to God's word. Think about the purpose for God's word that um, he gave through the prophet Isaiah in chapter, his chapter 55. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. To give, to give an increase in God's word, we must receive it as God's word. There are those who deny that the Bible is God's word, and therefore they figure they're not obligated to obey it. They bury it. We must be instead as the Thessalonians. Paul 
said this of the Thessalonians, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effect also effectually works in you who believe. So Paul came ministering, he came preaching to the Thessalonians, he introduced uh, scripture as God's word, and the Thessalonians said, yep, that's God's word. We're going to receive it, we're going to obey it, we're going to put our souls uh, welfare, eternal welfare on the authority of Scripture. But there's a warning to the negligent hearer, to the careless hearer in Hebrews chapter 4. Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So these um, these ones uh, that um, the book of Hebrews was written to, uh, some of them were not mixing God's word with faith. They weren't believing it. They weren't trusting in it. There are two examples of um, how to and how not to respond to God's word. And um, sadly, we don't have time to, uh, to really look at them. But the first one is Josiah. Josiah uh, was a king of Judah. Um, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law in the temple as they repaired it. And um, as they read it, they read of the, um, the wrath of God for uh, Judah's um, idolatry and disobedience. And uh, Josiah tore his robe and he wept. And uh, he led the nation in uh, 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 repentance. And uh, the Lord's comment on, on Josiah was, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Nor after him did any arise like him. Josiah is a good example of one who received the talents. He received the benefits, the privileges of God's word, and he, uh, he made good of those. Um, Je uh, Jehoiakim was another king of Judah and um, the Lord had commanded uh, Jeremiah to write down the, um, the words that the Lord had, had given against Israel and Judah and the nations and, uh, and so Jeremiah wrote those down. It ended up going up to the court of the king and uh, being read in Je Jehoiakim's presence. And, uh, uh, and so as um, the messenger Jehudi brought the scroll and he, he un unrolled the scroll and he was reading these, uh, these warnings to uh, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, every few columns, he, uh, he took out his knife. I got one. And he would tear the scroll and he'd feed it to the fire. Jehudi would read, he'd tear the scroll, he'd feed it to the fire. This was Jehoiakim's response to the treasure that the Lord had given him. He buried it. Okay? So our application for us uh, this morning, if I could just summarize real quick, uh, our gracious master has committed so much to his servants 
by his holy word that he has, has given to us. May we receive it as his word. May we believe it. May we act on it and, uh, and give it increase so that we, his servants, may hear his well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Lord, we want to make application to your word this morning. Um, perhaps one here uh, has buried your talent. And um, here's a cry, here's a call this morning to, uh, to bring it back and, and put it to work. Lord, we pray that um, this person would take your word as your word and obey it, uh, revere it, love it, and, um, and see you as the gracious master behind it. The rest of us, Lord, we owe you an accounting for uh, your riches as, um, as servants, and we want to, um, for you to remind us frequently that we will give account and that we do so with joy. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.